Welcome to Book Bistro, where book lovers come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, November 15th, 2018. I'm Shannon, and I'm joined by Stacy and Natalia, who are currently laughing at me because I don't know what day it is. <laughs> and we are here today to talk about books that feature strong female friendships. So I have to say that I really did know the day, but I couldn't decide if it was the 14th or the 15th. I, I, I just couldn't. <laughs> I thought the 15th was Monday, so at least you're better off than me. <laughs> okay, no. Monday was the 12th, and next Monday will be the 19th. Anyway, now that we have um, confirmed the, the date and what the date will be in a few days, I suppose I should do the normal housekeeping things. You can find us on Facebook, where you could tell us the date if we still don't <laughs> seem to be sure, um, by searching for Book Bistro Podcast. You can like and or follow the page. You can also join our Facebook group where you can share with us as well as with other Book Bistro listeners. If you want to get a hold of us, you can do so via Facebook by sending a message or you can send an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Again, thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And we are getting close to the end of 2018, starting the first week in December, we will be sharing with you our top reads of 2018. So we will be um, running the top 10 lists that each of us comes up with. And you can find those on our Facebook page. So just a little added treat for people to check out. And again, that will start the first week in December. So female friendships, I feel like, are becoming a really common theme in a lot of fiction, um, both contemporary fiction for adults as well as in young adult fiction. And I remember being a teenager, and there were books where people obviously like had friends that were girls, but I never felt like they fully, I don't know, like embraced the the strength of female friendships in both the positive ways and the negative ways but it's very very cool i think especially in young adult fiction to see um, these friendships play such a prominent role in the stories that people are taking in so it seemed like a fabulous idea to give some recommendations of books that we love that feature these kinds of friendships now not all of these friendships will be positive um, because the world is not only is not made up of only positive things. So some of these friendships are probably not ones that you'd want to have, but the books are still super great. So Stacy, do you want to start us off? I and would then, love to. And then Natalia and then me, and then we'll start over. Excellent. I have been waiting for the right moment to talk about this book since the very first episode of the podcast. I've been trying to figure out 
when it would fit in best. And it's also my top read of 2018. Um, and the book I'm going to talk about first is Good Luck With That by Kristen Higgins. Yay! Yay! Yay. And sorry, I, so oh, I, this book to me um, was sort of one of those epic kind of transformative experiences. Um, and I know that there was some controversy when this book was released, but for me, it gave me, it basically this story ripped out my heart and kind of stomped all over it, rearranged it a little bit and then stuffed it back in my chest. And I felt a little better after all of the <laughs> soul and heart rending that happened in this book. But the, the so this book, um, the core of this book uh, consists of three friends and their names are Emerson, Georgia, and Marley. And they met at a camp for girls ages 11 to 18 um, who needed to go through um, an intensive weight loss program. And so this was a summer camp where they met when they were 18. And during this time, they became very, very close friends. And during that camp experience, they wrote this sort of tongue-in-cheek list of things that they wanted to do, quote, when we were thin. When we, when we, when we are thin, this is what we're going to do. And the whole list was about all these things that they wanted to do when they were thin. Fast forward many years. So now they're almost 35, these women. And Marley and Georgia um, live together in a, in a house. Um, and Emerson lives quite a ways away and hasn't remained as close to her other two friends. And we find out in chapter two of the book that Emerson is dying. It's not a secret. Um, and she is dying due to, um, due to complications with um, extreme weight gain that she has experienced. And so her friends come to see her and are so appalled that they did not know. And she gives an Emerson, um, when she's in the hospital, she gives her two best friends the list that they wrote that long ago summer at Camp Copperbrook. And the goal for Georgia and Marley is to check off the items on this list. And some of the items on this list are very sort of youthful ideas of what would be something you would do if you were thin, like tuck in your shirt, get a piggyback ride from a guy, you know, eat ice cream, eat dessert in public, run in a sports bra, shop in a not plus size store. So like just, you know, very basic things, but to teenage girls, it meant the world. And so during this book, Georgia and Marley do their best to fulfill the, the different items on this list. And during this time, both of them learn truths about themselves and how to, you know, embrace who they are and love who they are, whatever their current size may be. And there are some laugh out loud moments and there are some just soul wrenching moments in this book. Um, and we learn more about Emerson's life through her journal entries. And to me, that was the most painful. Those were the most painful sections of the book where I almost had to get up and walk away from it sometimes because it was yeah. so raw and honest. And I don't know, but the, the thing that I love the most about this book, there was some lovely romance and some other amazing things is how these women were stronger together because of the love and support, the unconditional love and support that they provided each other. And to me, it was the most beautiful read. It did not, in my opinion, there was no shaming of either fat shaming or skinny shaming or whatever you want to call it. You know, it was about learning to love yourself and your body regardless of where you currently happen to be in terms of where you think the scale needs to be. 
And just, it was the, probably the most beautiful book I've ever read. And um, it'll be one that I read multiple times um, as I need to kind of work through my own sort of body image issues that I've had. And one of the most amazing things about reading this book is that I shared it with my twin and my best friend. And we have a relationship. We're all very close. And my best friend said, I feel like in different ways, we are like Georgia and Marley and Emerson because we are so close and we have this unconditional acceptance of each other. And so we made a promise to each other that we would learn how to do better about loving our bodies. So I don't know. It was a really great book and I love the friendship element to it. So if you want something that's going to potentially profoundly change how you think about your body and think about weight um, and think about friendship, that would be um, Good Luck With That by Kristen Higgins. I loved it so much. I know. Oh, There's just yes. not enough good things to say. I can't, I mean, I could go on for another 15 minutes about the book. <laughs> right. <laughs> the book I'm going to talk about, you know, let's go back in time to another era, to the historical. Uh, uh, yes. We're, we're talking about female friendships. And one of my favorite authors, Lisa Kleipas, Ooh. writes really great female friendships. And one of the ones that got me the most that I love and I read all the time is uh, the Wallflower series. Uh, the Wallflower series is basically takes place in around like the 19th century, you know, societal London. And you've got these women that have had more than one season and each each woman represents one book. Right. And they each have something something some kind of issue whatever it might be that means that they're not getting married either they're american and so they're considered what were americans considered to the british back then you know coarse too loud and <laughs> body gaudy and that or they're too poor or they're too shy and they can't talk or they're strange they like things that only guys should like according to the time right so you know they're always in every ball they're always left against the wall and they don't dance and they don't talk and nothing, nothing happens. And then they just go home at the end of the night and it just happens the next night. But then one day these five women decided, you know what? We're going to, we're going to change this. Why don't we actually talk to each other? If we're not going to dance, nobody's going to ask us to dance. We should talk to each other. And it's four women. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, they start talking to each other and they form this friendship and they decide that they're going to help each one of them find a suitor so that they can get married and stop being part of these blasted seasons that they hate and these balls and, you know, getting pitying looks from society. And each book, the each book, these women are making a project out of one of them and they decide to call themselves the wallflowers because you know they're always on the wall and they feel like they're each flowers so the first book is called secrets of a summer night and it's about annabelle and annabelle is needing to find a rich suitor because she needs the money right i won't tell you why she needs the money because i don't want to spoil it and so the wallflowers have made it their mission to find her a rich suitor but the problem is she's attracted to a man that's rich, yes, but a commoner. So what is she going to do? I guess to find out what she does, you'll have to read the book. It's called Secrets of a Summer Night by Lisa Kleipas, and it's followed by the other three books in the series. There's actually four books in the series. And then it continues with the Hathaway series, which is part of the same world. So we do get to see these characters a whole lot, which I love. I love because they're such in-depth in depth oh my goodness i can't speak characters and and their friendship for each other their love for each other their loyalty and the way that they accept each other 
for who they are, uh, no matter what, I think is a beautiful thing. The third book in the Wallflower series, Devil in Winter, is one of my favorite historical romances of all time. I love it. Really? So I do. Yeah. Evie and, uh, yes, and Sebastian. Yep. My favorite is It Happened One Autumn. I just love West Cliff. I wish I could marry him. <laughs> But I do, it's, it's great that they actually, um, that Lisa Kleypas actually did um, a, a strong friendship, female friendship element. I feel like a lot of times in historical romances, and not especially, not so much nowadays, but, you know, for a long time, if there was another woman in a historical romance, she was um, evil right. and, try, yeah, and yes. trying to break, break up the, the couple. And so I love that in this series, she instead of pitting these four women against each other, which I could see among a group of wallflowers, that they decided right. to form this, you know, this supportive... Yeah, this sisterhood. This sisterhood to, to actually help each other to move to, you know, kind of get their dreams. So I, I don't know. I, I love that series too. I know. Um, I think I'm going to reread it. <laughs> <laughs> I have never read it. It's sitting here. Shannon, stop. I know. You're like historical romance girl. Like, what are you talking about? This is like like classic historical romance. I know. I have so much Lisa Clayfish just like hanging out here. I I have never read it. Yes. So I am about to talk about a group of books that I wasn't planning to talk about. Oh, but Stacy ta- or one of you mentioned a sisterhood, and that made me think of the sisterhood books by Fern Michaels, especially the original, like seven of them. Ooh. Now I feel like the series has gone on and on and on and on, um, a little bit too long. Book forty-five I, now or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> some like huge amount of, of books there are in this series, but I loved the original seven books in the series. So the premise is that there are a group of women and all of them have experienced some kind of like terrible thing, whether it was a crime committed against them or whether, you know, just there was some kind of like civil um, problem they were having with another person that wasn't dealt with appropriately. So all of them are, you know, have experienced this and they never felt like they got justice um, they felt like the law was against them. The people in power were against them. And so they decided to band together and right each other's wrongs and get justice for all of these terrible things that happened. And this is not necessarily a believable series. Like if you're looking for something <laughs> that you can just like, you know, fully like accept in a, in a realistic way. Um, the sisterhood books, like that's not going to be what these are, but they're so much fun. Um, I love a good like revenge plot (laughs) and this is like a revenge plot on steroids. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, they, they have these very outlandish adventures that like, I just, I can't imagine ever really happening, but they're so much fun. So delightful. And you kind of root for them, even though the things that they're doing are, are not great, really. Like, it's a lot of fun to think about, like, oh, you know, this guy raped me. I'm going to cut off his penis. <laughs> but I'm not sure <laughs> that's good. Like, in, in that would not, 
that would I not feel be like part that's of messy. sexy. That would not be yes. part of sexy bedroom activities, would it now? <laughs> no, it would not. <laughs> but oh I did like, um, you know, so much about these books. And so I just decided that I needed to talk about them. So this is the Sisterhood series by Fern Michaels. And the first book is called Weekend Warriors. Weekend Warriors. Yes. So you're going to both giggle when I tell you that, Shannon, when you said, speaking of sisterhood, and for some reason I was like, oh my God, she's going to talk about sisterhood of the traveling spirits. <laughs> no. Like, I'm really going to talk <laughs> and about I was this? Like, that doesn't really belong on our podcast, I don't think, but okay. No. I, I, you know, I was thinking exactly the same thing. I'm like, I guess we'll just <laughs> go with it. Right. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> okay. I have never read those. I so haven't either. I couldn't but... <laughs> really talk about them. And I think that's probably fine. It is. So I'm going to talk about a book. <laughs> so the book is by Penny Reed. And um, I like her, her um, Knitting in the City series. Um, I'm not a devoted reader, but I like to kind of drop in and read a book here and there and then leave that world. But um, the book I'm going to talk about has the exalted title of Beauty and the Mustache. Knitting in the City, book four. Actually, it's Beauty and the Mustache, a philosophical romance. Knitting in the City, book four. Okay. And this book is by Penny Reed. And um, the, the, the core of all these books, again, is a group of women who have formed a knitting club, a knitting group. And every Tuesday they get together at someone's house and they drink and they eat and they knit and they talk. And I don't knit and I never want to learn how to knit. It's not something that's interesting to me, but like, I love the idea of a group of women getting together in all different ages and, you know, different backgrounds and sitting down and like having this like great girl time. Like, I love that idea like us in this podcast. So in this book, um, the, the main, the heroine of this book is Ashley and, um, she left um, Tennessee when she was 18 and her plan was never to go back. She left six obnoxious brothers and an awful father and a beautiful mother behind. And her, whenever she sees her mother now, it's her mother coming to Chicago to see Ashley. Ashley does not go home. And, um, she, she learns that her mother is in the hospital and is very ill. So it's going to be, she, she has to rush home and, um, while she's home, her mother is very, very ill, and, and Ashley's going to help take care of her. So she ends up having to stay in Tennessee for quite some time. And one of my favorite aspects of the story, um, besides the friendships, one of my favorite aspects is how she is able to finally connect with her six brothers. And that part is actually rather lovely as well and very sweet. Um, but she also, um, her friends are always there for her. And, you know, to the point that, you know, they start doing um, like a FaceTime call every week so that she can be part of the knitting group and kind of stay connected to her life in Chicago. And at key points in the story, when she is experiencing very rough times, one or a couple or all of her friends at different points comes to Tennessee to be there to support her. And I love that aspect of the story, how these friends would come together in times of stress or, you know, in other books it's for celebration, but in this book to prop up their, their um, fellow member of their knitting group and kind of give her love and compassion and, you know, kind of help her to kind of make it through a very tough time. Um, 
And, you know, the romance in it is nice. I mean, there's a real sexy guy that she ends up with, and that part's great. But for me, the, the two aspects of this book that were the, you know, that I loved the most were the, the, how these women, their friendship, and also um, her kind of being able to establish a relationship with her six brothers. And there are some laugh-out-loud, awkward moments in this book and some moments that really um, kind of choked me up a little bit. So if you're looking for a more lighthearted contemporary romance with a strong female friendship kind of center, um, try <clears throat> Beauty and the Mustache, a Philosophical Romance, Knitting in the City, Book 4 by Penny Reed. So this book is called Something Borrowed, and it's about these friends called Darcy and Rachel. Something Borrowed is about Rachel, and Something Blue is about Darcy. And these girls have been friends since, I believe, kindergarten. And they've grown up together. They went to college together. They live in New York together. I mean, they are inseparable. And I think that in their way, they love each other, and they think that they tell each other everything. But they really don't. And they really not have they have secret thoughts about each other that they don't say or secret opinions and so it's kind of like this friendship they're more like frenemies of sorts of sorts but without the fighting so here comes rachel and let me tell you guys i usually don't like this kind of book but i love this series okay so this is not a spoiler it's in the book jacket so rachel it's her 30th birthday she's alone and she's single and she gets really drunk and she wakes up and finds that she slept with Darcy, her best friend's fiance. Whoops. Whoa. How does that happen, right? Let me tell you, I hate cheating books, you guys. I really don't like them. But these books are so good because Rachel and Darcy really grow as characters. You know, you, you kind of hate each one of them and you love each one of them too. Like you'll have your moments in each book where you'll be like, oh my God, you're so blue each one of them for different reasons and then you'll love them as well and um, I feel like they grow individually and together and I don't want to say anymore because I don't want to spoil it but if you want to read a book about a toxic friendship that perhaps can turn around you really should read Something Borrowed and Something Blue by Emily Giffen great books so I'm going to hang on to this theme of toxic female friendships perhaps even dangerous female friendships. Uh And we are going to talk about a mystery slash thriller by Megan Abbott. This book is called Give Me Your Hand. And one of the things that I loved most about it is the fact that a lot of it is set in a chemistry lab. And so the whole like women in the sciences um, aspect of this, I thought was amazing. And it's not something that we see often enough. I I'm not personally interested in science, but I know a lot of women are, and a lot of women have been sort of um, pushed out of this field. So I love that Megan Abbott chose to set this in a lab. So the book centers around Kit, and Kit is kind of this, I don't know, run-of-the-mill average kind of high school student she doesn't really have big dreams for herself she just kind of thinks like she's gonna graduate from high school maybe go to this community college she'll eventually get married it'll be fine but one day she meets diane who joins her chemistry class and the two of them become very very good friends 
Diane is this sort of like genius person. Um, and she inspires Kit to try harder to excel in school. And so they have this, this friendship, but it's also kind of competitive because they're each competing for a spot in the summer program for chemistry students. And Diane has a secret. It's a very bad secret. And once, <laughs> yes. and once Kit finds out what it is, she doesn't quite know how to cope. She's, she's young. Um, she's a little bit frightened. And so she breaks off contact with Diane. Fast forward several years and Kit has graduated from college. And she is now working in a lab that is studying um, a disorder dealing with female menstruation. And a new person comes into the lab, and it happens to be Diane. And Kit doesn't quite know what to think about this. First of all, she's not sure she wants Diane there because of this thing that she knows about her. But also because she's kind of used to being like you know, this really smart person. And she kind of thinks that maybe Diane will show her up. And she becomes especially worried about this when the doctor who's in charge of the lab says that there are only two spots available for like permanent employment in this lab. And she has to make a decision who she's going to pick. So this book moves back and forth in time from um, Kit and Diane's high school days to their adult job in this lab and all kinds of creepy things happen um, and it's just really really dark in places and definitely shows the not so great side of female friendship and yet I did enjoy it so much because I do like my dark gritty mysteries. So this again is Give Me Your Hand and it's by Megan Abbott. Sounds scary. I, I think I'm going to give the book my hand pretty soon. <laughs> yes, I think you should. <laughs> so the next book I'm going to talk about is by one of my well-established longtime favorite authors um, Susan Elizabeth Phillips. Uh, I know. Yes. And I do too. I've loved her since about 1998 um, when I discovered her books. Actually, it might have even been like 96. I can't remember. So the book I'm going to talk about today is called Ain't She Sweet? Yes. And this book um, is a book that I've actually gone back and reread a few times because there are so many things to love about this book. There's like a, like a comeuppance kind of plot. There's like, or like revenge. There's um, female friendships. There's like this weird revengey, romancy beautifulness. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. But what I'm going to talk about today is going to be more about the female friendships um, element of the book. So Sugar Beth Carey was like the pride and glory of her, her small town. Um, in Mississippi. And she was like the reigning bell, the darling, the, the beautiful girl, the one that everyone aspired to be. She was the one that, you know, kind of made all the rules for, uh, for all the girls in school. And if you were not accepted by Sugar Beth, you were not in the club, you were not cool. May I and, interrupt you to say yeah. that the idea 
of referring to someone as sugar sugar bath. bath. Well, um, you just got to say it like sugar bath, sugar you know, sugar my baby. sugar baby. I mean, if you think about her sugar mother, baby. Her, sugar baby, her, sugar baby, her, that's right, sugar bath. Oh, that's so good. And I forget what her real name actually is because it doesn't even matter because everyone knows her as sugar bath. Yes. And so, oh and how gosh. do you take her seriously? I, don't even know it either. I know. So sugar bath though, she leaves town at 18 and, um, and so the only fly in her perfect ointment or the only um, black fly in her Chardonnay, if you will, is um, a, a girl in town named Winnie. And Sugabeth hates Winnie with an abiding hatred. And she goes out of her way during school to ensure that Winnie's life is as miserable as it can possibly be and that Winnie has no self-worth at school. And I won't tell you why. So no. let's jump ahead many years. It's been about, oh gosh, I don't even know. She's in her early 30s. She's like 33. She comes back to town, down on her luck. No money. Old, horrific dog who does nothing but flatulate and bite her ankles. <laughs> and acts like she doesn't like her. It's a, I think it's a basset hound. And... Um, she comes back to town because she wants to find this painting that was willed to her because she needs to earn a lot of money very quickly. And everything, the dynamics of the town have completely changed. Um, some of the people that she wronged grievously are now the beloved kind of leaders of the town. And Winnie has kind of stepped into Shugabeth's place as like the reigning belle of the town. And has actually become the leader of all of Sugar Beth's old friends called the Sea Willows. And so this book is a lot of, you know, character development. It's a lot of kind of shifting dynamics. It's about, you know, coming back and learning humility and making amends for horrific things that were done during adolescence. And it's about healing and love and abiding friendship and a really, really interesting romance between Sugar Beth and one of the people that she so grievously wronged. And it's one of Susan Elizabeth Phillips, I'd say like deeper books. Um, yes. And I really, yeah. And I really connected so with much. the characters. And so if you want to read something really great, it doesn't even matter that it came out like in 2004, it's still very relevant. Um, Quite. Ain't She Sweet by Susan Elizabeth Phillips, read by the most amazing Kate Fleming, AKA Anna Fields, who is no longer on this earth, but her voice as an audio narrator will live on forever. To talk about another one of my favorites, we are going to do it because you can't have a female friendships episode without talking about Nora Roberts. You cannot ever. And one of the books, I love all her books, but one of the books that really, really got me that I just, adore and it's about these four friends these four friends emily uh parker laurel and mac and these friends they've been friends since they were children they grew up together they were just so united in their childhood and in their adulthood and no matter what happened in life they just were always it was always them against the world and uh, they all have different family backgrounds, but basically what happens is that one of their parent, one of their parents, Parker, uh, her parents get murdered in a plane crash. 
So what happens? So, you know, Mac is a uh, Emily is a gardener. Really more fancy than that, you know, what she does. I just think of the name right now. And Laurel is Florist. the biggest pastry chef. You know, landscaper, she's landscaper, landscaper, maybe. Florist. She's Florist. in France and Sorbonne and doing all <laughs> kinds of amazing things. And, um, you know, when Parker's parents pass away, uh, they all go to support Parker. And, of course, Parker's family is very wealthy. So they leave Parker and her brother everything between them. And, you know, Parker's brother already had his own house. So Parker got the mansion where they grew up as children. And Parker was always the most organized of the bunch. And she decides she has this idea uh, to use all of their combined talents to make their mansion into a wedding location. Because she just doesn't want to live there all by herself, you know, with all her childhood memories, knowing that her parents will never be there again. It's very sad. So they do this place and they call it vows and you know then laurel bakes the cakes and does everything to do with the wedding food uh emily does the flowers mac does the photography and parker does everything else so the first book it's called vision in white and it's about mac she's the first one and she's a photographer for you know once the book starts their wedding business is very much done i mean it's you know they're they're hired for weddings and it's not even starting anymore so it's cool because you know a lot of books like this when they begin you you're getting them to start the business but they've already got their business and i just love the hero in this book his name is carter i think i love him more than mac (laughs) he's a shy english teacher and i know as a kid i felt very close to my english teachers because i loved reading and stuff so i can very much um identify with like the nerdy teacher like ideal I think I had a couple nerdy teachers myself and I don't know I just thought it was so cute to see them fall in love and how different they are and their friendship is wonderful I mean they're all sharing this big house but they each have their own wings so they have their space uh they have their their times where they're where they congregate together so you know it's such a great balance and they love each other and they fight and they tell each other things like it is and they accept each other and i think i think that's the most important part of female friendship to or friendship in general really to be able to accept each other no matter what like you know and so if you want to get lost in a series that's just gonna make your heart warm in all the good places and all the good ways you should pick up Vision in White by Nora Roberts. Uh, they're called The Bride Quartet. And I promise you, when you finish, you'll want to read the next one. I love those books. I mean, there's not a lot of, like, high-intensity action. But for whatever right. reason, they were very satisfying. Just their lives and just reading about all of the different weddings that they do, the different types of weddings. Right. I don't know. Bride- it was, just, I love it was really a delightful series. And I, the, the friendship really, again, was the thing that really drew me to the books. So next up for me is Snowflower and the Secret Fan by Lisa C. And this is a book that I read, gosh, like in 2005 when it first came out. And I loved it so, so much then. And I went back and reread it just a few days ago, actually in preparation. And it was just as amazing this time as it was the first time. So this is a story that takes place in 19th century China and is about two girls who grow up um, in these kind of like rural villages. They're not, they're not big city girls at all. There's Lily and then there is Snowflower. And 
they are bonded in a Chinese tradition and they refer to each other as old seams, which basically means that there are eight things about them that match. And I do not know all of the eight things, um, but like they're, um, they were born the same year, the same day when their feet were bound, um, they came out to be the same size, all these things about them match. And they embark on this sort of traditional relationship that means that throughout their lives, they will be inexorably linked. And in some ways, their relationship will be closer than the relationship that either either woman will have with her husband. So Lily and Snowflower spend their early years together. Um, Snowflower comes and stays with Lily's family all the time. And they're, they're very, very close. But eventually they grow up and they have to marry. And their marriages put a strain on this remarkable friendship. Um, Lily is into a kind of wealthy household. And she becomes a, a pretty powerful woman in her own way. Whereas Snowflower, her, her luck isn't quite so good. And she leads a very, very hard and a tragic life in some ways. But throughout all of this, um, Lily and Snowflower remain very close until some things happen that cause them to separate for a while. And I'm not going to tell you what, and I'm not going to tell you how this is resolved. But this is a wonderful story, as well as a very educational story that will teach you a lot of things about the role of women in historical China. Uh, we learn a lot about the, the binding of women's feet Ugh, and ouch. the ways in which um, women are kind of kept down by their husbands and by their fathers, um, their brothers, and in some cases, even their own mothers. So it's not a cheerful read by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a wonderfully poignant story. And I highly recommend it if you're looking for something deep and thoughtful and beautiful. So this again is Snowflower and the Secret Fan. And it's by Lisa C. So we rambled on and on quite a bit here. So we are going to have to say goodbye here in a moment. But before we do, Stacy had one more book that she's just dying to talk about. So she not only began our recommendations today, but she will also end them. As fancy divas often do. Um, so this book, I'll, I'll keep it short, but one of my favorite kind of autobi authors is Jennifer Weiner. And I love all of her books, starting with Good in Bed um, and <laughs> to her most recent, um, her memoir that um, came out a couple years ago. So I, she, I'm a huge fan. And this book came out a few years ago. It's called Best Friends Forever, again, by Jennifer Weiner. And this book is about two girls who um, grow up as best friends. There's Addie and, um, and Valerie. And Addie was always sort of um, socially awkward and out of step with her classmates in elementary school and um, just couldn't figure out how to, like, why she wasn't a member of, like, the club that everybody else kind of seemed to know what to do and how to be part of this club of young girls except her. She was always on the outside and she was kind of frumpy and um, a little overweight. But 
um, um, in third grade, a young girl moves in across the street from her, Valerie, and they become bosom friends. She actually wanted to call Valerie her bosom friend. So, of course, that gets points with me right away. And they remain very close friends throughout, um, you know, childhood and adolescence um, and go through all of life's ups and downs together until senior year when something very tragic happens to Valerie and Addie tries to um, support her by sharing what happened (gasps) and Valerie turns on her and the entire school turns on Addie and they hound her and bully her for the rest of her senior year. And at that point, um, they are no longer friends. Um, they, they go off and live separate lives, but 15 years later, um, unexpectedly Valerie shows up at Addie's door asking for her help. And, um, at this moment, their friendship just kind of picks up where it left off. There's a lot of emotional healing. There's some wrongs from adolescence that are put right. And it's just, such a lovely book about the bonds of friendship and how, you know, sometimes your childhood best friend is the person that knows you more intimately than anyone else and knows everything about you. And even when you try to become this other person and put on these different personas, they know who you are at your very heart and soul. And so I love this book. It was so redemptive and, and lovely. And so if you're looking for something really great to read, Best Friends Forever by Jennifer Weiner. All right. Well, that does it for us this time thank you to stacy and natalia for some fantastic recommendations as always thanks goes out to christine for her fantastic editing Um, she was talking today about how she has to make all these like cuts and how you know she's always really hoping that they come out well and they do so we are very grateful to have her um editing these episodes And if you want to let us know how we're doing, um, you can leave us a rating or a review on whichever platform you choose to access the podcast. And definitely feel free to reach out to us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast or via email by sending a note to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with more bookish fabulousness. Until then, I hope everyone stays warm and has lots of great books to read. Good night, everybody.